0: Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for being here. Come on into the room. If you need a chair, let us know. We have some extra chairs. The thing is the the way the talk is going to go is we have the artist stand in front of their piece when they're talking about it. You don't have to be right up there with them. So if you need a chair, just let us know. But we are going to be moving around the room. Um, so I'm going to start off by hitting this bell three times, and on the third time, if you feel comfortable, close your eyes because we just going to do a quick grounding, and this is something that we do with the artists. The project here is the result of a program we, we have called a Place of Her Own, and it's a healing program where we use art making as meditation. So, uh, so, I'm going to start by ringing the bell once. And everybody take a deep breath. I'm not right. Breath in. And what I'd like you to do is this time when you breathe in, just kind of breathe in the feeling that you're surrounded with people that you're supposed to be with. Because for whatever reason, you came here to be with the artists today. And their work is, is very profound and very spiritual. So, so breathe in. I guess the love that the artists have for you in in the creation of their work, and breathe out anything it took for you to get here today. So. (laughs) So, okay, this one, breathe in. And breathe out anything that was bothering you today, and it has nothing to do with this, being in this room right now. We want you to be present and really experience what the artists have to say. So, one more deep breath in. And then I ask if you are willing to close your eyes. Deep breath. So one thing I would like us to visualize is the Miwok First Nation people whose land that we're standing on right now, and who this building is on top of right now. But I wanted to honor that it is their land that we're using, and thank them inadequately, but thank them um, for their existence. And we are deeply sorry. Okay. so deep breath in. So pay attention to your feet, and your, if you're sitting down, you can pay attention to your butt, and start to see roots growing out of your feet into Mother Earth, grounding yourself with Mother Earth, and experiencing what it's like to be grounded and stable and surrounded by love. So deep breath, roots into the ground. And Marin Mocha has tons of roots, so the four corners of Marin Mocha also reach into the ground. Deep breath. Okay, I want you to open up the tops of your head like a little trapdoor. Open up the top of your head because we encourage intuition and sensing what is so for yourself. So you open up the top of your head and imagine a giant pitcher of gold energy. So deep breath and pour the gold energy and let it fill your whole body, pour it into your body. Fills all the spaces and all the little capillaries all the way down through your feet and then you let any of the extra gold energy out through the floor, through the roots and you give it to Mother Earth. So deep breath, do that again. Gold energy coming through the top of your head. Deep breath. And then let Mother Earth have any residual left over. So your body is vibrating with this beautiful gold energy, which is pure energy with pure love in the room. Right now, deep breath. And think of every one of the artists in here and the artwork on the walls. We've had conversations where, with the artists where we feel like our ancestors are vibrating with our pieces because we are speaking to them. We're the giving voice to men and women, women and men And love. Uh, deep breath in and let it go. Close up the top of your head and you're grounded right now in the room. And then uh, when you're ready, open your eyes and come back into space with us. And I'm just going to give you a little bit of information and then we'll get right to the artist. Um, again, this. All this art is uh, kind of the result of a deep dream that these artists have all taken, and a big commitment to their healing and transformation. But one of the things we do initially is look at our hungry ghosts, which is a metaphor for us.
1: We use it to talk about family patterns of trauma, ancestral family patterns of trauma. We're looking at what happened when your
0: family left your country of origin, what was happening to get your family to do something so drastic and get up and move. And that's the kind of work we do. Um, the artists have done at a place of our own. So you learn to stop blaming your parents for I don't know, for your trauma or anything. For things you keep repeating that are wrong, and you find out that they were just coping with something much bigger than them. So the work in here is huge. I mean, it's, the the vision for it has been huge and generational. So thank you to the artists. Can you guys raise your hands for me? They all have these beautiful name tags on. Maggie. Maggie? Maggie. Oh, this is my co-curator back here, Maggie. Hi. Many, many hours behind the scenes, and Irene actually many, many hours behind the scenes supporting us with crazy stuff. Um, so the show is not just about chronic heartache and addressing it; it's also about resilience. So there's. Many things and all the pieces that might be heartbreaking, but it also is a demonstration of the artist's resilience and the fight back. and and for. I know I can't speak for all the artists; you can ask them. But for me, I know I'm Maggie. And, um, probably Irene. This is our act of protest against what's happening now, and we we really believe that by healing the artists, not just giving them job skills or leadership skills or. How to feel better skills but to actually heal and know where they have to heal from we feel like we're protesting because that's how we gain strength that's how we learn how to fight and that's how we learn how to speak up but we're doing it with the art so thank you guys for being here today because some of you have traveled from very far away um i just want to tell you the, the next place of our own series starts january 2020 and we have a lot of information back here Um, We have a catalog from last year with artist statements so you can read and see the work that was done last year. Um, And then we have contact information. You can ask any of the artists about the program. Then we have this binder here, very thick. All the art statements on the wall tell you just a snippet of what the artist's intention was. The binder has a much longer statement. It might have their bio, it'll have photos. Um, Like pause, for instance, actually to get to her piece, she did collage with her family and they were having discussions. Well, she put photos of that in the binder. So it'll give you a rich experience if you want to look in the binder that's right here. Ask me anything, interrupt me, even if I'm talking to somebody else if you have any questions. And I would say the same for all the other artists. Please talk to them because they're here to share. And am I forgetting anything? Um, May and June of next year, we know we're going to do a huge show called The Place of Her Own at JSA, which is this huge community center in Emeryville. Um, so if you want to be on our mailing list, let us know. We don't send out much because it's kind of just me and Maggie, but we will let you know when we're having the, the events. Am I forgetting anything? Okay, so what we're going to do is start over here, and because of the way the place is laid out, it's a little tough to get close. So if you can't, we'll make sure the artists speak up, and then you can get close to their piece after they're done speaking. So you can come in tighter. Lisa's first, did you first? Oh, Andrew's first, you want to That's right, Chris? One thing I'm gonna do, we have one guest artist here, Avacha. She couldn't make it today. She spent three hours getting here for the opening. She's the DJ for KPFA and KPOO. She's a performing artist. Poetry Powerhouse and Berkeley has named May 10th Avacha Day because of what she does in the community. So we have her poem over here that Chris Matos graciously uh, helped her collage so we can make it a visual art piece. And Avacha sent a short poem for us to read to you as part of her artist statement. Chris, did you wanna? Oh, yes. Come sure. over here, why don't you c- near oh, yes, it please not. come up. You can read her
2: what do you, what do you this?
0: And you could read her poem. Oh yes. She wanted to share this with you since she couldn't be here. It's
2: called Just the Work in Progress Inspired by the Spirits of John and Alice Coltrane. Mm-hmm. Nasrat Fateh Ali Khan, Um Khartoum, and Ahmed Abdul-Malik. The thing that we call life is a tiny dot on the creator's easel, and we are just a small part of, an incomprehensible work of art, possibly an incomplete masterpiece, an inescapable creative passion we are. We are an artistic exercise, a hopeful experiment, a work in progress. Creation speaks through us. Deliberately disgusted, disguised, sorry. Deliberately disguised in the mystical maze of poetry, music, drama, and dance. And through its expression, we are made whole. Thank you.
0: brings up another thing, Chris and where's Brian? These two guys are our right and left hands and they helped install. I mean, everybody installed, but these guys are religiously here to install each time for years and years. And they support Maggie and myself beyond beyond expectations. So thank you. And he's shooting the show too. So we're going to start with Angela. Come in as close as you can. If you need a chair, please do ask because we have some extra chairs. (laughs)
3: I <laughs> don't <laughs> Sleep, so that kind of tied the two images for me. So, when I first was presented with this um, hungry ghost, I'm like thinking, What's my hungry ghost? That was the first challenge. I don't know, you know, it's not a term I'm super familiar with. And so, my mind just instantly went to you know, it was a pivotal event in my life. Oh, my mom, my mom, and my one brother, another, another brother will be here too. Uh, passed when I was 17, they were 15 and 13 from cancer. So, um, clearly it's made an impact on my life. So that's the story of one piece of my life. And I thought, no, we know the story even though her life was pretty fascinating for 44 short years on three continents. I wanted to go deeper than that, so I kind of pondered and. It's the first time that I came with a realization. Um, she had to escape from China at 21. She never went back, so she never saw her mom again, or they didn't get to grow up together. And of course, I didn't get to grow up as an adult with my mother. So I thought, wow, I never thought of that from that perspective. That that's what ties the three generations. So I thought, let me. just all the suffering that caused those circumstances to happen as well as the richness and the legacy that we gave each other from that. So I'm just going to go through different parts of the piece and then just weave the story as well as what was behind it in. So my premise was starting with my dad was, I don't know what the word is, we didn't realize until he passed in 2012, he had kept every stitch of clothing on my mom's, including about like 20 of these cheap house. She had quite a bit. And so I thought that would be a good basis for the piece. And then he also kept all her documents, visas, identity cards, you know, letters. So I had a lot to work with. So I just started with the three dresses to represent the three women. And then into these I wove, you know, all that. And then a lot were stored in my brother's office. And I had not seen a lot of this for 40 years. So I found like a journal she kept before she passed and had a lot of insight and, uh, you know, other things too. So it was a laborious process at some point. I just really like couldn't move forward because it was seeing all this stuff and the emotional impact for the first time. And then to think, what do I want to use? What do I want to choose to incorporate? So this was like the heart of the piece for me, just what would reflect her, you know, cards and notes from me. And um, the talk, a lot of it, because part of the place of her own is that I don't consider myself an artist. I don't draw or paint. Sketch, but it's all about found objects that we can all be. We all are artists in just using found objects. So in our homes we have found objects galore. So I really have this hesitation to, to like, you know, East Bay Depot or White Elephant sayings. But I found like the ring, and I thought, well, that could be like a crown, you know, just representing all the stuff that's smoothed over, it, and then there's mahjong pieces. Four Directions. Those who are familiar with Mahjong, because she was on three continents: England, Japan, Hong Kong, the U.S. Just by force of circumstance. And it's also the native, you know, Four Directions, and about like healing and hope, being holistic, and that seemed very apropos. And then I wanted to feature three highlighted documents. And one is like her baptismal certificate, her death certificate, and her marriage certificate. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to highlight those. And then um, down here, just photos of family and different documents. And then there are a lot of these, what I call holy trinkets. Some of you are Catholic, might be familiar with this. She had a whole box full from all her, um, we say travels, you know, forced travels. They probably were gifts. So the whole idea of faith and her Catholicism is definitely was a theme. Growing up, we always wonder why so many Irish different priests and nuns passed through her home. Because as she went from continent to continent, and why she had to escape in the first place is at 21 she would have been put to death when the communist regime came over. So she had to land in Hong Kong, not knowing the trajectory of the life, and there's more details in the body, but I won't go into that. So in doing this, you know, then my grandmother was a missing piece. I never got to meet her until the 80s when the country opened up. So I only met her once, and my main impression was she had bound feet, which mm-hmm. is why, like, because she lived up towards the end of the Qing dynasty. So then I could only extrapolate and think about, she lived through wars, Japanese occupation, poverty, Regime and my mom also faced loneliness, you know, getting the Vatican passport as a refugee to Newcastle upon Tyne in 1951 Um, and just not knowing how safe was her life. So, just all these from world circumstance is the thread through our family, but also even though maybe trite leaving my brothers and me, probably, maybe a lot unconscious with resilience, independence, perseverance, courage, strength. You know, I'm I'm sure that was our gift and legacy. And then the final thing I wanted to say was she was a teacher, Japan, England, Hong Kong. And in San Francisco, she taught in a Catholic school. And when there was a centennial of that school, St. Paul's, students wrote in agendas 40 years ago my mom as a kindergarten teacher. Things she did for them, it was kind of creepy and cool, but one guy even said his password for years was her name on the
4: computer.
3: (laughs) So when this happened, I put out an invitation, and at the opening, two of those students actually came, spoke to me more, so again, something I never would have known just, so it's just left me with connections with myself, with more people now, and am now in touch with these people, and just um, newfound appreciation and gratefulness for a place of our own, and this to allow me to create this and to reflect upon my ancestors. Thank you. Thank you.
0: She's been with us twice so far, so kind a two-year with right? us.
5: Tucked away in this corner, this fabulous corner. Every corner is beautiful, mm-hmm. I must say. And if you take a moment, even before I speak, to breathe in and sense what you feel in this space, within these four walls, what does, what has, um, what stands before you, how has it woken up the space? How has it made this space become alive? I just want you to note that as you walk, maybe as you walk back into the space on a quiet day, how does it hit you? How does it resonate with me? I just want you to. Because every, every piece in here speaks volumes for me. And as a group, they, they, they sing, Um, this piece here, if you can see it, please feel free to come later and talk to me later about it. I'm, I'm all done with talking about the technicalities or the little bits, but how did he do that? I'm all good with that. Um, this um, main piece, uh, the torso I call loose, and it um, made an appearance. It was first born in 2016 with my first um, session with uh, A Place of our Own, and we featured, uh, we were shown at the Town Community Center in San Francisco. So she has um, made an appearance in some different configurations since then, and this time she's showing up here for the Hungry Ghost show. And I, she's my offering to um, what I'm about to speak about. I just want to uh, note that my inspiration behind this is, is many-fold, but one of the main things is what happens when two people two wounded hearts meet Uh, what kind of impacts, what kind of intersection, what kind of uh, conflict arises through those two wounded hearts, all brought together from lineages that are so different, maybe, maybe not, from themselves. So I'm just going to put that out there. Understanding what, what conflict does these days, it's obviously not something that just happened yesterday. It's, it's in, there's layers and layers of all trauma and the stuff that arises. Hearts are wounded, I don't understand that. You yeah. have to be compassionate and gentle with each, each other these days, and I think we're starting to see that much more so. For my mother, Christeta Pagoyo Cachapera Grandmother, Lola Antonia Grandmother, Lola Emiliana Great-grandmother, Grand lola Caetana For myself, I release fear, anger, shame, guilt embedded in our DNA. I'm clearing the way, creating a path to move forward, giving voice to the unnamed and nearly forgotten. Sisters Lita and Nieling Estrella and thousands of other Filipinas held captive and brutalized as comfort women during World War II in Japanese-occupied Philippines. Corporal Magdalena Leones, Silver Star, Filipina, World War I, II, veteran II. Veteran, the first Filipina to be awarded the Silver Star. First Asian American to be awarded the Silver Star. Not recognized, not compensated, went to her death, unrecognized by the highest of rank in the military. In, vale, in Richmond, California, 96. Recon. I offer a light for those souls, those lost souls who need a way back. And I, this is not my tradition, in the Hungry Ghost tradition, you set lanterns out they end at the beginning of the festival and they, they, they come, they come out, they come and play in this realm. And then you want to call them back, you send lan- set lanterns on the side of your door, and they come back in. You're, we're calling them out, and we're calling them in. We're recognizing them. And I also want you to recognize and, and acknowledge the poem that I have um, uh, aside my piece, uh, The Remember Bones by Amy Grace Lamb, a wonderful hero, and I have and poet and actor and all that. I have information if you want contact information about her. We are creating light for the lost souls. We want to let them know that I remember. I am listening. I am waiting to hear. Gathering memories, collecting stories untold. I am the blood, sweat, tears and laughter, grief and joy, prayers and curses of my grandmothers, great-grandmothers, grandfathers, great-grandfathers, and so on. Rage coursing through their veins, bittersweet sorrow embedded deep in their hearts. Our fury, fury, fury is devastatingly beautiful. Our ancient sour ones, deep. And yet, our spirits burn bright as we remember our true selves, our true selves, our true selves. The great poet, the Sufi poet Rumi wrote, the wound is the place where the light enters you. May that light enter your heart. May that light enter my heart. May that light enter our hearts. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you.
6: Bawa and uh, my father chose uh, our family name in 1968 because the government forced uh, the Indonesian government forced him along with uh, hundreds and thousands of other uh, Chinese Indonesians to change their names to a less uh, Chinese-sounding name. Uh, so the first uh, and, and uh, I also want to apologize to all my ancestors because I'm probably going to be butchering their names, pronou- mispronouncing their names louder. Oh, Thanks. and uh, I also want to uh, uh, apologize for probably not um, uh, representing the history. Of, I don't know. I'm oversimplifying the history. Uh, the first one and the one of the things that you have to understand is that the, um, the Chinese have been in Indonesia since the 13th century. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Dutch have uh, colonized the area since the 1600s for about 300, uh, 350 years. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's just some background information. The first one is about my great grandmother. This is uh, Chua Tian Nio, and um, that is her. She was born in 1885, and in 1967, when she was 82 years old, she changed her name from uh, Chua Tian Nio to
1: uh, uh, Christine Imelda.
6: (laughs) Yeah, or Imelda (laughs) see now. I think it's imelda steam. yeah. Steam. So, uh, and then behind the picture, uh, her picture, and then the frame that she doesn't quite fit into,
4: uh,
6: is her uh, last name that I've written down um, uh, on a piece of acetate so you can see through it. And then also a form, a copy of a form of the, uh, of the document that she had to. <laughs> That she had to uh, when she had to change her name. This this piece is about my father, and um, as a child he was he embraced his family name, and then somewhere in the middle they said you can't have that name anymore. 1968, to be exact, and so he had to change his name, and he along with. Um, Many other Chinese Indonesians found subversive ways to resist and incorporate their uh, Chinese name into their new name. So um, this character is his last name, is his family name, and it's uh, pronounced Wang or Wei. And in some areas in China, it's pronounced Wei. So uh, he. Um, he decided to keep it, and "bawa" in Indonesian, in Bahasa Indonesian, is it uh, means to carry. So he has chosen to carry his, and that's been his joke for many years. And it never, it didn't dawn on to me until recently that you know what a um, act of protest. Okay, so the next one is uh, this is my family, and then um, here he, <laughs> here he is. Uh, as a, there's like three versions of him. There's his younger self, and then there's him as his current, like his older self, and then his middle age self. Mm-hmm. And then um, my two sisters are carrying their name, and my as uh, uh, and and he's giving me the last name. Mm-hmm. So. And then behind us are the three uh, fabrics um, that are woven together, and it's uh, the batik, Indonesian batik, Chinese silk, and denim. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then this last piece is, that's me, if you don't recognize it, that's me, and then the the U.S. flag. And behind me are uh, two generations of my ancestors and the uh, Indonesian flag that they lived under. And behind them is another generation of my great, great grandparents who lived uh, under uh, the Dutch flag. And uh, in this piece, I wanted to convey that uh, uh, this, is, this is the U.S. You know, this is just a slice of U.S. This is who we are. And um, that we all come from different places and uh, also that um, uh, I did not arrive here on my own. Um, I'm here because of them, and when I show up, I
4: show up with them.
1: father's side. Uh, we came over at Ellis Island, and we came over as Andersons, but our names, we have no idea what our original names were, but we were given a Scandinavian kind of blank name, Anderson, but we have an S-E-N to make us Norwegian or other than Scandinavia, I mean, uh, Switzerland, or whatever. Anyway, and then my mom's from Australia. So, anyway, this self-portrait is reflection of my spinal cord injury that affected the left side of my body when I was in my teens. Um, and my nervous system, my, my, I had head trauma, I had broken bones, I had massive amounts of scar tissue and still do. And the reasons leading to this accident including current, uh, include current and ancestral patterns. Um, it's a prayer of gratitude to all the therapeutic and emotional healing, including 100 degree ghosts, that I have received, and healing has been like ongoing. Um, and um, in the beginning, I was not very supported. So this is a whole, like kind of, the title of my piece is Putting Myself Back Together. So, and it's a representation of a whole, voible human who's making choices to be conscious and connected, and participating in hungry Grows in place as well as all my therapies. Um, just, it's just a, a path of self and ancestral discovery that allows me to follow, flow from unconscious and then to the beginnings of conscious and understanding and conscious choices. And this piece was really interesting. I've never done art that just came to me like this. This, this is the first part of the piece. It actually represents my throat chakra and I, it came to me in a dream. And um, it came, um, it, the The dreams that I normally have are really long and winding as dreams often on are, when I began dreaming during this class, it was no surprise I had my repeated lifetime nightmare of being chased by something large and menacing to my death, off ledges and rooftops. I had over the years learned to control this dream. And often during this class, in a lucid state, I, I, turned, I finally had the courage to ask myself, why don't you stop running and turn around and face the monster? Really, I can turn around and face this monster? This menace that has chased me and essentially annihilated me continuously since I was about seven? Face the monster that has haunted and stolen my sleep for a lifetime? Well, okay then. I stopped and slowly turned around. And what I saw instead of a monster about to kill me was my mother and my grandmother and my great-grandmother and the lineage went on and on, generation after generation, weaving into a long and beautiful matriarchal line of women through the centuries until I came upon a table at the origins of time and space with an aboriginal in the middle of a desert. I was offered tea and a chat. No words were spoken, and for the first time in my life, I felt fully seen, accepted, loved, and supported in all my vulnerabilities and foibles. I felt totally internally and universally connected. I could barely hold this. It was like floating in a boundless sea of unconditional love. I wept like a baby, not dramatically, but with humility and awe. The tears were healing. Time passed and we sat in each other's presence, sipping between the tears. And finally, I was told it was time to go home to celebrate life in real time and the fact that I am still alive. And at this point, I am so relaxed in the body. A somatic ignition begins. My midline is ele- midline is electrified and connected to the universe. I am healed of my original separation from source. I am falling, waking, coming apart or together. A blinding golden light is bursting through my core in every direction. Kintsuchi, I suddenly wake into this overwhelm of love and connection. I would like to say, in the next part of my life, I woke and walked, fully consciously and healed from all my physical and emotional wounds. But alas, I am human. I still hurt both physically and emotionally, foiled and prone to all human emotions as I catch up to this dream. The true shift that has happened is knowing I am universally supported. I am beginning to trust this, as well as knowing the gift of being alive and grateful for this life. I have never had the nightmare again. This dream was the ignition for this self-portrait kintsugi, the Japanese art of putting broken pottery back together with gold, a metaphor for embracing your flaws and imperfections. And honestly, I thought that was going to be my piece for this show. My throat chakra, representing all the ways I can and cannot communicate in the world, but it wasn't. Um, I'm I'm a hiker. I like to be in nature a lot. So I was walking um, one day, and I don't know. I tripped over this log essentially, and this log. I don't know. Um, it was so beautiful. It was like raining. It was late winter, and um, I just the, the way that the is, it's like represents my back. And my mom was actually hunched back as well. She had osteoporosis, so it was kind of like a mode and I asked if I had permission to take this. And I came home and I had another dream about this piece. And it just all came together. And so then that came in and then, and then um, this piece came to me Actually, this piece is an ongoing piece. I had a bunch of dreams around this piece, but let's just say this is my first chakra. And um, it's a, just a grounding piece, but there's still a lot of work to be done. There's lots of trauma. It's a little bit, you can't quite see in it. It's a little bit, got a little mystery in it. And um, and then, uh, the this is just my grounding piece. And, Then the birdhouse, I found at Goodwill, so it's a you know just to represent the spirit and going up, and it's hilarious. I walked into Goodwill and it's got a cross on it, and it's a birdhouse. (laughs) (laughs) And then so and then um, this whole concept of the snake weaving through in all of my dreams, kind of it it's been like this really interesting kundalini really sexy, wonderful way of coming together from the earth to the spirit um, and just really embracing. So this self-portrait to me is a representation of the whole foiled human who's making choices to be conscious and connected. And um, and I just wanted to say thank you to everybody here. I mean, the museum, Cynthia Tomp, or Hungry Ghosts in Place, I don't know where I would be without all the support. All of the artists here, I am so humbled. They are so amazing. If you get a chance, please talk to all of them. Um, Maggie Yee who and Irene are, are doing so much work for, for us as women to come into our own and stand our places and to just heal on a way that I, therapy just wouldn't do it. This is just the most beautiful, way of taking responsibility for your brokenness and putting it into art and into things that are beautiful. So, thank you.
0: Mm -hmm. Great, she's making me cry before it's my turn. Um, uh, Thank you guys for, I know it's hot, I'm standing back there fanning myself, but really appreciate that you're listening to the stories and listening you're helping us so much, and we hope we're helping you. Um, just putting, just getting stuff out of our bodies is helping us heal. So, again, my name is Cynthia Tom, and I'm also a painter, mixed media. Like, I love to do big installation. I'd like to take over this room and just fill it with immersive <laughs> things. Awesome. Um, <laughs> uh, one other thing I want to tell you that I didn't tell you before, the installation in the middle of the room here with the house is a collaborative work. Um, Manon Bogardwada, Rachel Fuji, and um, Maggie Yi, and then and Chris Matos and Brian create this every time for the show, and in the house are these little bottles, and there are little hungry ghosts. So it's our family members. Mm-hmm. There's a barn in, of a house I used to own that I had to give up because of San Francisco, so that's in there. And on the wall here, are these little houses and there's some scrolls of paper. So we invite you to come in and you can either write down somebody or something you want to honor or something you want to let go of, scroll, roll it up and put it in the little house. And we're gonna do a ritual at some point to let all those go. We have a few hundred of those because we do it at every art installation. So I encourage you to leave something behind with us that you no longer want or again, something or someone you want to honor. So I just wanted to tell you about this middle piece. Um, does that count against my time? No. <laughs> I said it? So uh, this is um, part of I, what I'm starting to think is going to be a lot bigger piece, a lot more installations. This is called Flying Lessons, Inquire Within. And now I'm calling it chapter one, and I'll tell you why. So Flying Lessons has to do with rising consciousness. Increasing awareness, enlightenment, and inquire within, my partner Chris helped me with the second part of that title, and that's to inquire within yourself, because the healing has to come from you, the change has to come from you individually, and that's what each one of the artists is in here doing. So my hungry ghost that kept flaring up actually during this whole exhibition is that any kind of conflict, any kind of disagreement, I feel like I'm going to get in trouble. And there's this real feeling of danger that bubbles up in my belly, in my gut, and it scares me, but I have to push through it, because I'm like the leader of the program, right? (laughs) I have to stand up for our branding, what we want, how we want to do things. And so that kept coming up for me during this show and and a lot of other things. When when you're running a program, you run up against people that want to push back on you. And being raised how I was, I, real- I just realized that, or maybe I already knew it, but I finally put it together. My parents were Chinese, raised in San Francisco Chinatown. My mother was sold by my grandfather for opium numerous times before the age of 12. Like from six to 12, he would trade her to the dealer, her body for his opium. And then growing up in Chinatown, if you left Chinatown, this is before the, this is 1900s, like, so before maybe the 50s, you could get beat up or killed or die or, you know, and no one would care. And so my parents brought me up to keep my head down, don't draw attention to yourself, don't, any conflict, <laughs> your fault, just walk away. So this painting ended up being an exercise in um, Wanting to speak up for any feminine energy, it could be male or female, but any feminine energy that, that's been shut down or silenced, whether it's, because um, my grandmother's job in China before the 1920s was to kill her baby sisters as they were born, which is very common in China, but right? they usually drown them. I'm sorry I'm saying hard stuff, but this is, this is, I think some of you have this background. So what does that do to me down the road? So those patterns pass on. So what I'm trying to do is own the pattern and fight back by gathering feminine energies together. I want to gather them so there's strength in numbers. And and over time, start to have them voice their power, voice what they want to change, um, be willing to fight and draw attention to yourself. And the funny thing is, when I was doing this, I was taking pictures, and I started going close-up with my camera. And I was trying to figure out what color I was going to paint these different colors, because if any of you know my work, I tend to do really colorful clothing. I love Christian Lacroix, Christian Dior, fashion, Paris fashion, and I paint like surreal dresses and things. So this is kind of a departure for me. But what I did was, I, I painted the colors back to the dull color, and when I did this, I real, I felt like they were talking to me. It's, if you bring your camera over and do this, they kind of look like they're alive. And I felt like they were saying they're not ready yet. They're just gathering their strength in numbers. And I feel like the artist in this show is part of my, I, I'm trying to find a different word than try because I feel like that's taking somebody else's word. But this is my, these are my people. And And you guys being here, I feel like you're part of our group of gathering strength because we have, to, we, we have to protest now. <clears throat> so right now this is chapter one where they're kind of quiet, a few are rising. So I'm hoping by chapter four, because I'm gonna repaint this, not exactly, but do this at least four times. And by the time, I, I wanna start imagining women ready to speak out and not being afraid and not being shut down and not being silenced and not being shamed. Because we even shame each other. We have to stop doing that. Women have to stop doing that. So that's where my Nora. I'm tired. You still have three and a half. Mm-hmm. Okay. So kind of that's that's this piece, and I hope you'll stay tuned because it will keep growing in in look and color and intention. And I hope I grow with it. Uh, and then over here, really quickly, is called the sway. This is this whole show is dedicated to my mother, Sue Tom, who was part of a place of her own. Um, she just passed last year at the age of 92. And she let, she's the one reason why I learned how to just speak my truth, because she never helped. She wasn't too much of a fighter because she still had that fear, but she, did, she didn't She did hide any family secrets. Of course, her brothers and sisters weren't too happy about it, but she shared things with me when I did art installations. About, that's how I know what happened to her. So um, this is her swing, and it was her place of refuge in our backyard. So that's that's her piece. So that's me. Is there any questions? I forgot to have everybody ask if there were
1: questions.
0: Wait, that's okay. We're going to move on to that side of the room now. So thank you very much. You're part of our tribe. Okay.
2: Yeah!
4: <laughs> <laughs>
6: and Pat's mother is oh, here. I'm sorry. Um, what city? Is? Is this,
0: where is it? by the morning? Yes, about 20 minutes outside of Modesto.
2: Okay, so California. Pat actually
0: went and picked her family up from Modesto this morning. I'm so excited they're here because this is about family. So, Pat. Alright, come on. You all can come
7: on. Well, my yeah, I will. Thank you. I will speak up. All right. Um, so what I wanted to say, and if nothing else, oh my um, what I wanted to say, and if you take away nothing else, is that this exhibit, my story is your story. Mm-hmm. That we all have our hungry ghosts. And we all heal from them in different ways. And that's the beauty, our connection. For me, briefly, what I want to say about this piece is that, um, for me, the family patterns are very, very important to understand. Because if we don't understand the root of the flower, it's really, really hard to heal. And being with Cynthia and a place of our own, we've had a safe space to, to go and start uncovering what is there, what has been there. And this piece here is um, based on, it's called Root to Spirit. And um, what I do is kind of like, you know the ants? You see the ants and they go out of the ant hill and they go get a little food and then they take it back into the ant hill. That's what I have been doing with this process. Uh, For me, it is, I am an artist, Uh, my husband's also here, he's a writer and um, so we're very inspired by art and at the same time this is, uh, we have real lives going on, we're doing real work in the community and how I take care of myself, how I take care of, has a big influence on my relationships with my family. And so I'm just gonna say that if you have questions, all these pictures are from the Central Valley, Mm -hmm. from my home. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is, there's animals in here, and these animals are wishes, prayers for my family. And we are going into the seventh generation. Mm -hmm. So that means that Zayana, uh,
8: Mm -hmm. when she
7: has her children. So my mother is, um, uh, uh, she was was in the second. She's seven. But when she has her kids, um, my, my wish is that they will be because You know that the reason I'm doing this is because I will be good. And I love you. And I love you. This is my other <laughs> niece Valerie, my sister Eva, and my mother
4: Genevieve. And so this art to me is has been a way of bringing us together as a
7: family. And my wish for them and for you Is that your hungry ghosts, you continue to heal, and that you find your peace in your life because that's very, very important. And I I send to you whatever peace and love that I can send you. And the last two was that Diana wanted to say something really quick. And then my mother wanted to say something really quick. I don't know if Mamita, you want to say anything? Because you know why we were doing the art. Oh, and i bring it all a lot of memories of my parents and all my Is there a
4: wish
7: that you have for this? When you see this art, is there anything that you wish for your family? Because you were part of the art as well? Oh my goodness, yes, I wish the best, and
6: that's
3: it.
0: It's
7: <laughs> good.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: You can tell me about the binder pictures too. And
7: there's pictures in there of the actual, we have like about four generations of family members working on it. Diane, so you don't have to say anything, but you asked me if you could be the last one to speak. Do you want to say anything? Yeah. Okay.
5: Yay. Um, when I wanted was to say like, when times get hard, don't stop, but keep on going. Because if you keep on going,
7: times will get easier. Mm. No. Wow. wow. Pat, can you say something about how your family was involved in feeding the earth? Yeah, so we, so there's all the pictures you saw, they all did their own hungry ghosts. Mm -hmm. So like they couldn't be here. Some of my sisters had to go back to Georgia and stuff, but they um, brought their kids. And whoever, I don't ever want to push this on anybody, but I want to make it as an offering because sometimes we don't know how to move forward. And we'll find many different ways and they're all good as long as they work for us. But for me, the art was a way to just say, this is why I'm doing it, and this is to understand it. I actually did a preview with all my family and their picture, they're holding it up. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it was just to like kind of find a way to begin to heal, because when we heal, it's a raw process. Mm-hmm. It's not like this beautiful, hunky-dory, we're talking too <laughs> nicely right now. No, there's been times when we've had heck of conversations around a lot of things, because we didn't know that way. And So we have to rehab every little conversation we have. This moment of all being here is part of healing for me and for hopefully for them. I'd like to
4: say
7: something. I'm Eva's best sister, and I'm proud to be here. I'm proud of her. I'm um, blessed. She's um, very talented. I love her, and um, we're healing, and this is a big part of. Yeah. thank you awesome. yeah. more <laughs> That was it. Thank, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. so thank, uh, thank you thank you thank thank you thank mm-hmm. thank you thank you thank you thank 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 thank
0: thank you thank you to all the women. Yeah. So our next artist also in this corner, and I don't know if you can see her work begins This fall. this is Komokirai, and she's pretty new to place, but she went through the whole program, and if you can, come around, because her delivery is quite wonderful. quite one. Is it? Yes.
8: <laughs> well worth it. You don't forget, because I forgot to write it into my actual thing. speak um, up. Thank you all for coming today. Thank you, Cynthia. Thank Thank you to my girlfriend Say, who flew in from Seattle along with their partner Arcee. I'm so happy that they are here with us today. And I need to speak up out louder. Yes. Uh, okay. Let me just start yelling. With <laughs> Okay. Well, you know, uh, with my piece, you, you ever you ever have somebody ignore what you said? Because I have a lot. <laughs> um, I live with my father, and um, days I'm not heading out to work. Um, Our morning routine is that he wakes up around 7 or 8 a.m. in the morning and I sleep through to about noon. Once I wake up I go to his room and as the consummate daughter that I am I say hey I'm hungry let's go get something to eat. Problem is my dad usually doesn't hear me on the first try. He's uh, had a bad left ear since he was little and he tells me that he has uh, trouble hearing uh, from people. So as he sits at his desk with his headphones on he often doesn't really hear me or my mother when we call him. Uh, he'll let the phone ring at, in the house and he'll only respond if we walk into his room and just yell at him, you know, dinner's ready! Or, dad, phone! <laughs> sometimes it feels like it's more than a disability. It feels like emotional distance. My father retired the moment he turned 65. He hated working for his boss. And he's since taken up an obsession studying Portuguese on Duolingo. We have no, no connection to, you know, Portugal or Brazil or anything like that. Um, but he's telling us that he's learning Portuguese to learn English, because he's, you know, learning through English on, Port- on Duolingo. We don't get it. My father doesn't, does what he wants and listens only what he wants. Sitting right next to me at the dinner table, he'll ignore the entire conversation I'm having with my mom, such as when I'm discussing my travel itinerary going to Seattle and to see my girlfriend. And five or so minutes into the conversation, he'll chime in, oh, by the way, by the way, when were you leaving for Seattle? Mm-hmm. And so I wrote it all down, all the little things that, um, any of the big things that I've said to him over the years um, in, in my kitchen, kitchen table. and. When I began writing out everything I recall saying to him, and, uh, you know at some point it just stopped mattering to me whether what I said how how important it was and I you know like half the things I wrote here I don't even know I don't remember um, it's all you know water over the bridge but what I wanted to express was this sensation of suffocation um, th- this top layer that I have on here, the mulberry paper, covers all the words that used to be pretty clear. And the, it's opaque, so you know that there's a lot underneath here. There's even more underneath here, actually. And, but a lot of it is undecipherable. You can try to read it if you want. Um, but buried beneath it all are the things that I wanted to express. Little things like my, um, my family. There's three strips of paper in here that represent me, my mom and my dad. I'm the only child, but you can't see it anymore. Um, so even if I had spent so much time kind of implementing all of that in here, all that energy, you can't see it and that's kind of the point of my piece, I feel the fact that none of that made it through. I'm happy to take any questions too, but thank you very much <laughs>
0: also in this little sweet corner. It's my co-director, co-curator. Thank God she's around. She comes up from Santa Cruz every week during the programs for the two months. So thank you. And Brian comes with her. So this is Maggie's piece, Maggie.
4: Okay, my I'm going to read. I just can't. Anyway, my personal experiences are documented in this two-part installation. I had trouble falling asleep when I was very young. My method of going to sleep was to recount my life as from far back as I could remember. I did this well into my 40s, and I still do it on occasion. At first, I ended up crying to sleep, recalling memories of my mom. Later in life, it became a mental documentation. On my own displays the beginning of my memory recall. In Honolulu, my family lived on the second floor of a three bedroom unit on my Chinese grandmother's compound. I remember waking up from a nap in my crib. I must have fussed and soon my mom came to comfort me with hugs and nuzzles. I felt loved and protected. My family moved to a temporary house in Pearl City while our apartment was being renovated. Mom was still with us and life seemed normal. When we moved back to our grandmother's compound, we moved into the two bedroom downstairs apartment and I realized Mom's things weren't with us. My brother was going to sleep in my father's room. My sister's and I were in the other room. Where was Mom going to sleep? Over time, my young mind couldn't comprehend the heartache I felt because I missed her. I prayed and pleaded to God and blamed myself, but nothing brought her back. Life continued without her. I became self-destructive, shamefully troublesome for my father. I found myself in an unwanted abusive relationship and became pregnant. Life moved on with so many complications in between. Moving away from Honolulu to California, I hoped to get a new start, new life. Yet another abusive relationship found me. Although on an outward appearance, we looked like a wonderful couple. We were Christians with two children and a nice home. I saw how wonderful my children were and needed to ask my mother an important question. Weren't we, my siblings and I, not adorable? How could you not love us? How could she leave me behind? She responded to my letter with anger. It seemed so toxic at the time, I couldn't keep it. I didn't contact her for years after that. Much later, I tried to reach out to her only to receive short letters, late birthday cards, and requests for additional gifts. In my 30s, I decided to let her go our relationship depressed me. Then turning 50, I didn't want her to pass, feeling that one of her children didn't love her. So I made contact again with token gestures of Mother's Day, birthday, and Christmas cards. Recently, at a family gathering in her honor, I was, she was talking story about family members that were present. She came to our story and how hard her life was, how she took care of my son, and how she wanted to adopt him without telling me. In her eyes, I was unfit. But my father knew, and she was not aware of the daily beatings and rapes I endured. Little did she know I attempted suicide, only to awaken next to my abuser, asking me where the rest of the drugs were. My family members looked at me then looked around the room and back to her. Her stories triggered painful memories, so I left the room. She is my hungry ghost. I'm never too find the love I longed for in a mother. At 64, I realized that I need to bring back the little girl in me to the present, muster the strength to be brave, independent, and know that real love can be found in other people. The second part of this piece is, is facing my reality. My older sister told me of an event in an event that took our breath away as little girls. My mother chose to have our neighbor, a pastor, marry her and her new love in his home, which was about eight feet away from our house. As reluctant witnesses, our small hands hanging on the chain link fence Me and my two older sisters looked up into the window and watched the ceremony. This box exposes my reality, seeing my mother with her new family, meant there was no chance of her returning to our home. There was no no love left for me. I felt dejected, jealous, and heartbroken. And so I repeat to myself, I am strong and healthy and I'm not afraid. Mm.
0: Again, thank you for being so patient. I hope you're getting a lot out of this because I am. Uh,
4: mm-hmm. We are.
0: So this is Irene Mabao again, and actually, she has a third piece down the hallway that has to
6: do with her. Yeah,
0: actually, I sorry. So anyway, without further ado, and speak loudly, okay. Irene. Okay,
6: I'm gonna just read it because I attempted not reading it, and the other one, and no, it didn't work out. Okay, uh, this is. My great aunt. (laughs) This (laughs) is a
4: a reimagination.
6: This is what I I imagine.
2: What my great aunt would be. Um, Mm.
6: The first time I saw our family tree, one branch stood out for me because, unlike her eleven siblings, Mm. Tan Tianyao did not marry nor have children, so she stood there by herself. And I felt a little kinship with her because that's going to be me on the family tree too. I'm going to have this little. A little stump. Born in 1920, she was the eighth child out of 12 surviving siblings. My great grandmother had 17 children, five did not survive. Um, my grandmother, Tan um, Yo was a second child, um, and so Qianyo is her uh, younger sister. Tan uh, Samqing, is my great grandfather, and Choa Tenio and the other, and the other piece. That's uh, those are her parents, um, and so they all lived in. Uh, they all lived in a land in, a, in an archipelago that is now known, that is now known since 1945 as Republic of Indonesia. But at the time, it was Dutch East Indies. Um, I found old photos in two thousand sixteen in my mom's house that had been open since we left Indonesia in nineteen eighty three, and then uh, I so I scanned them all in and so that we can zoom in because they, they were really small and identify the people in the photos. And the following year, my mom and uh, two of her sisters in Canada, we all gathered uh, in in Sarnia and uh, in Sarnia, Canada, and we went through the photos to see, to identify who the people were. And then also go through the family tree um, that my uncle in the, in the UK have uh, been really good about keeping track, keeping up with it. And then, uh, and then when we went to, we got to Chenio's Niu's story, um, my aunt recalled her story, which is that Chenio saw a man walk by their house every day. And then she got in her head that she was gonna marry him. Uh, but my grandfather found out my grandfather was a journalist and he found out that the man didn't know who she was and that he was just this random person who walked by every day um, so they 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 just assumed that she was delusional so they put her in a medical institution at the end. that was one story. Um, and then one and then uh, the following year in two thousand and eighteen last year. Um, my family had a reunion, and many of the descendants from Tan Sam Ching and Chua Tin gathered in Jakarta, Indonesia. And since the reunion, we formed this uh, technology is wonderful, and we formed this uh, this group on this online group um, on WhatsApp. And so uh, people, so the third, fourth generation um, uh, descendants of of Tan Sam Ching and are Can gather and communicate with each other, and we all come from Canada, the US, Indonesia, the UK, and the Netherlands. And there's about 25 of us there. And then we were, you know, some people had photos, so they scanned them all in too, and we were just passing them around. And in trying to identify some of the photos, her name came up. And then, uh, but then it was, but then someone said, oh, that's not her, and we're not supposed to talk about her anyway which makes me feel like, we were. <laughs> uh, and so in the same group, I, I got the, the document from my great-grandmother about my great-grandmother's name change. And so I made art about her in October 2018. And then, uh, like, in, in February, uh, I went to this dance performance. Uh, it's like a ritual dance performance. I'm not really sure what it is. It's Dogi uh, Lee uh, performed this. And actually, Frances, Frances Kachikara, she was, uh, oh, uh, yeah. Oh, awesome. So all the performers were <laughs> <I forget laughs> too. they YouTube. Uh, they performed at this, at, at this uh, performance. And, I, and after that performance, I, um, uh, we were invited, and in the, during the performance we were invited to write down the names of our ancestor. And because I had just made that piece, I, want, I wrote down her name. And I just wanted to you know, say thank you for letting me make this art about you and you know, sort of have a closure. But after the performance, as I was driving home, I got this sort of message or something. And, um, and I, I knew that I had to make a bird and That it was gonna be about Tianyuan, um, and that was about it. So I'm um, I <laughs> I am um, materializing this this idea that I had through that um, after that uh, moment, um, and let's see, through some more um, conversations with my mother, my uncles, and even my cousin's daughter. <coughs> She's my niece. I'm not sure. <laughs> anyway, um, we—I heard another story about my grandmother, and um, so yeah, she she has checked in and out of. Think, she has checked in and out of uh, this mental institution, which uh, is Rumah Jiwa in Super Porong, uh district in the city of Lawang in eastern Java, and. Um, which sort of roughly translates to um, sick or uh, a hospital for the soul. That's kind of <laughs> um, So there are some accounts about her, like that she was a quiet person. She stared out into space. That's something I heard, and that um, uh, and another story I heard was that the family decided to put her in the hospital. Um, because one day when she was praying, one day when her mother was praying, she uh, went to her mother, grabbed her by the hair, started beating on her and screaming at her because she wouldn't let her marry the man. Mm-hmm. So that was another story. Um, and that in the, in, in the hospital, she was subjected to shock therapy, uh, which would probably explain why she was quiet and stared out in this a lot. And and this other story too that I heard was uh, she was an introvert. She was a prolific reader, uh, and the man that she wanted to marry was actually knew her well and was kind to her. But um, but he was gay. So I I'm not. I mean I, I don't know what the what the real story is. Um, and even the death. Uh, the year of her death is questionable. She may have either died in 1955 or 1962, depending on whose memory um, is deemed more reliable. And I have, I don't know any. I have not found anyone who knows where she was buried, or she was buried, or where she was cremated, or any of that information. It's really kind of a, uh, an unknown. Um, I don't know what is true and what isn't, but I wish healing for her.
4: And I
0: dedicate this to um deal. I think that's 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 all you said Thank you, Irene. <laughs> I don't have any cleanics on me. <laughs> that actually, that's the conclusion of all the artists talking. If you have time to stay, you can go talk to the ones that resonate with you, because there's probably a message for you from one of your ancestors through our art. And again, um, the binder, if you want to read the longer versions, is here. The website has these statements and pictures on it. Thanks, Irene, for putting it up. Um, Again, our catalog from last year, and then our business card, If you guys want to know, we only do maybe one or two shows a year, if that. Possibly one show a year. If you want to know about it, just make sure we have your email address. And all that's right here in the hallway. So thank you for coming. And thank you, artists, for being so bloody honest. Wow.